1: Welcome to the Steelers Outpost Podcast, a proud member of the Armchair All-Americans Network. We are coming to you from the precipice of what might be the most perfect day in recorded human history, that rather than enjoy the crystal blue sky and 75 degrees of your nation's capital, I am here in the bowels of the command center, ensconced in the illumination of 14,745,000 light-emitting diodes of my 30-inch Mac. And you ask why? Because we are on a sacred mission for our listeners to bring this show to you each week and thereby give you one additional thing other than death and taxes to rely upon in your life. It's June 23rd, 2019. This is Tom in the Washington, D.C. Outpost. Nick joins me from the Houston Outpost. That that wasn't meant as a complaint. I just
0: thought I'd add a, you know, got to get back into practice on the no. low voice. No, intro. It, sho- it shows you what our priorities are and that they're straight and that. Leading this team to a seventh Super Bowl victory to make sure we get some distance between us and the Patriots is priority number one. And there are some finer things in life we'll that we will it miss out on as a result. Yeah, we'll do whatever it takes. And and we're, really, we're not even missing out on things. These are the finer things in life because we got plenty to talk about. There is no slow season anymore. I guess you could say there is, you know, in terms of transactions happening and not games happening – but the storylines and the hypothesizing at this time of the year, I mean, you could go forever. So we got plenty of stuff to talk about today, and um, really only one of us is missing out on the day. If you take your perfect 75 degrees, let me raise you about 48 degrees when you account in for the humidity. You can't even breathe outside in Houston. It uh, Yesterday, had run a bunch of errands all day before we get to some football talk, but... Um, Every time I stepped out of the car, sunglasses immediately fogged up so I couldn't even see out of the lenses. So that's the kind of humidity we were dealing with down here. So I'm down for a four-hour podcast if you want today.
1: Le'Veon is back in the news, and we probably should have picked this up when it happened. But he's showing another disturbing lack of judgment. And uh, it doesn't have to really do with football, but it has to do with his money.
0: And his, and his ladies, right? Too many ladies. So I'm sure you guys have all heard the, the story. Le'Veon Bell got, what, a billion dollars in jewelry robbed from him? <laughs> What's the overall number? He got a ton, a couple hundred thousand dollars at least, worth of jewelry stolen out of his dresser or his bedroom somewhere by, quote, uh, two of his girlfriends. So he's, he's definitely got a rock star situation going on there. But uh, two of his girlfriends who he left apparently naked in bed in Miami at his, his favorite place. Again, I'm surprised he didn't go to the Dolphins. And they once he went to report to camp, finally, I assume begrudgingly. We all know how much Le'Veon Bell loves to practice. But he went to the Jets camp. And then it turns out that two of these girlfriends stole a ton of money from him. And I haven't been reading the articles or tracking it that closely because, you know, it's not on a team anymore. I get, I get the general gist, um, sort of sucks. You don't want to hear a guy get robbed, but it's like, Hey, you're living that rock star lifestyle. It seems a little tricky. I just think it's funny that the audio from his call with the police came out to like this week. And apparently he made a point, of course, without me listening to it, of, of letting him, letting the officer know that, yeah, I left him naked in bed, uh, and they stole all this money. Did did I mention that they were naked in bed and that they're both my girlfriend? And uh, yeah, this much money. This is how much they I, I got to
1: jump me. in here because I, I like you wasn't looking or reading anything, but I did go listen to the nine one one call. TMZ put it out, and I'll put it on the website for everybody to hear. It was a lot more uh, professional. Than that he did not say they were naked. He said they didn't. When the police officer was asking for a description and clothes, he said, "Well, they actually they didn't have any on." <laughs> he wasn't so explicit. <laughs> I was looking at some <laughs> yeah, of I'm that.
0: just jo- I'm joking I'm joking around and that's the I mean hey Le'Veon is he is uh, scientifically engineered to be the perfect human male so I mean you, you can't expect any less no hard feelings there
1: so I was looking at a lot of the social media you can imagine just people piling on on this it's it's mildly amusing but one of the best yeah. lines I saw was they took half a million dollars of his jewelry and they left his pile of jets tickets sitting on his dresser.
0: Jets aren't quite there yet. Sorry, P. Butch. They, they have a little ways to go before those tickets mean anything. But, how, I mean, how Jets is that? It's so funny. You talk about really the Jets and the Browns who are now turning their their fortunes around, but they're always the butt of every joke. And I think that the Raiders have somehow escaped being the butt of every joke because I think they've been equally miserable. The Jets have actually been good over the last 20 years here and there. They have good years and they have bad years, but there's just some – Something about them being like the little brother of the Giants in New York City, being the second game in town, it always makes them seem like the bad news bears even though they've had so much more success than dysfunctional teams like the Raiders and the Browns over the years. But still, you know, you guys got to win a few before we're ready to sell those tickets on the black market.
1: Well, I don't think Oakland's going to escape anything. They're going to be on hard knocks this year. And I don't know if they'll, they'll look like bumpkins, but they will, uh, but they will give us some stories.
0: It's probably the best Hard Knocks team you could ever think about. I mean, you have the evil traitor, who has a lot of personality there. You have John Gruden, the biggest clown in the history of all NFL head coaches. And obviously a good coach and has done some good things. But the guy knows how to play it up for the camera. And he is very entertaining i mean he was great on the monday night broadcast and he knows his stuff but he also is used to being in front of a camera so he's going to be uniquely prepared for this role unlike a lot of the other prior coaches have been i feel like for Harnox. then you have uh, your fair share of criminals you got richie incognito in there who's probably going to be suspended for at least some games because adding to the laundry list of this guy's unbelievable history of crime both in the locker room and outside I think he his his father passed away recently and Richie incognito is not a super stable guy and it sucks to hear about that for anybody but especially somebody like cognito incognito who' like he probably doesn't have the tools to deal with that kind of thing anyways you know that being said it doesn't excuse crazy behavior and I'm pretty sure what happened is he you know, threw a fit at his grandmother's house and blamed his dad's death on the grandmother and punched a hole in the wall. And at the wake he was flipping chairs over or something like that, making a big scene. I don't know the exact details. And threatened people that he has shotguns in the car. Um, so he'll you know, this guy's clearly not completely stable. So the first thing that they do, the Raiders, after signing Vonte's Perfect is sign Richie Incognito after they got Antonio Brown, who does not deserve to be in the same conversation as we, each one of those guys, but obviously Antonio Brown makes a lot of headlines, so they got a lot of stuff in store, I think they have to play like they have more air miles traveled for their games this year than like any teams in history, I think they play in, in London and somewhere else and this and that, so they've got their work cut out for them, but It's definitely an entertaining lineup. I'm sure that Gruden and the Raiders will get kind of final say, though, in the cut for the episode. So they're not going to let anything too crazy get on there. But I hope some things slip through the cracks.
1: So I walk into a bar this past Friday. Uh, Your mom's out with the girls. A buddy that I work out with is also his wife's out of town. So we decide we're going to go get a beer at a local pub. Actually kind of a high-end, nice place. Ton of bars on tap. Is sit down, I'm waiting for him. And the bartender is exactly the kind of bartender you want. First of all, his name is Gunner. He's like 6'3". Gunner. He's jacked. He's he's in his 50s. He's got this striking silver hair and a ponytail tatted up. Of and course. But a nice guy. He's a renaissance man. He has He's into multiple businesses, but he's, he's waiting on us. And he was telling me that he's getting into uh, self-taught graphic design and T-shirt making t-shirts. And it's just interesting. And he showed me some pictures and I said, you know what? I can appreciate you learning something new because I really had to take uh, several online classes and do a lot of reading to figure out how to do this podcast. And I found that, you know, it's a satisfying hobby. And he said, oh, what's, what's the podcast? And I said, Steelers Outpost. There's a guy two, two stools down from me. He's been,
0: he's had these, what are those doctor, those headphones? That's funny. You were going to call them Dr. Beats. You were going to call them Dr. Dre's headphones. They're called Beats by Dre. And I give my girlfriend a lot of crap. She's a classical musician. She's actually about to become a literal doctor of music. She's about to finish her doctorate. But she always calls them Dr. Beats. If by always, I mean the first time she ever tried to call them Beats, she called them Dr. Beats. And I'll never let her live it down. Like, I may uh, return the favor for you as well.
1: So he's wearing these Dr. Dre headphones. And uh, he's got a faux that's hawk. That's nice. He looks like he's a bike car- courier. Nothing wrong with that. But, I mean, this is a little high-end bar. He's got the leggings on with shorts on top of that. And I'm telling you, he's been just on his phone staring into the phone in his glass and just basically minding his own business. I just couldn't figure out his what his thing was because he kept walking in and out of the bar. But when he heard Steelers Outpost, he said, literally, I would be remiss if I didn't tell you I was a Baltimore Ravens fan. And I, you know,
0: Thanks, I didn't bro. take that as an <laughs> affront.
1: I know, like, thank you. Maybe do we do we want to talk? And I said, well, look, I, I think they're the Baltimore and the Pittsburgh people have something in common because as the audience might not know when Nick was younger. We had a friend who worked for the Ravens who used to get us tickets and we go to the game and um, <laughs> there was a lot of squaring off in the stands and in the men's room. <laughs> so I, I saw a lot of commonality in the, you know, there's a blue culture. I'm sorry, blue collar, blue collar culture that both cities oh, yeah. share. And, um, and I asked this guy, so you're from Baltimore. I mean, I'm in Washington, Baltimore is you know, 40 miles away or whatever. And, yeah. uh, he said, no, I'm from Washington. I said, well, how'd you get the uh, Ravens fan? Well, he had, uh, he has a friend he worked with. And then as soon as he found out, uh, so the friend was a, a Ravens fan. And then this guy, as soon as he found out that the color of the uniforms was purple, he was hooked. And when he told me that, that's when I had Mm. to disengage. Purple, huh? That's what got you. That hooked him. Unlike you, who got hooked on.
0: Yeah, yeah, the color of royalty. What is he, an aristocrat? What is this guy with the tea and crumpets with some Lamar Jackson one-yard passes? That's what he likes? A little something-something? So the reason we're talking about this is I've always found it
1: interesting how people – strike allegiances to teams i mean how many people in washington might not be a good barometer because there's so much so much transiency transiency here but i do know some locals who have adopted surprisingly the dallas cowboys you know a a hated rival for, for many years for the redskins you uh i could i could sort of understand you you were influenced from an early age but people pick up teams just sort of at random, just because of maybe some interaction or somebody introduced them. They just said, yep, that, like that team.
0: Yeah, I get it too. And I mean, obviously, I, I was born into it. If your dad's from Pittsburgh, it doesn't matter where you are. You're from Pittsburgh and you're going to be a Steelers fan, and you were blessed with, you know, a legitimacy. I feel like if you become, we welcome any Steelers fans, whether there's a Pittsburgh connection or not. But, you know, this is passed down generationally. Although I, a couple of my friends who are uh, uh, some of the biggest football fan friends that I have, have a similar story to that Ravens dude, except for it's always with the color green. Two of my good friends, Carl and Jay, they're both Eagles fans and Dolphins fans respectively, mostly due to their love of the color green when they were kids. But then, you know Carl, he started following the Eagles when he was a kid. And then he never stopped. And he's been watching the Eagles for, you know, 15 years or whatever it is. And so he's as a legit fan as, as anybody else is. And sometimes it just takes a little something. Even Andre, who we've mentioned on the show here before, um, you know, on prior episodes or whatever, he's a big Steelers fan, too, because he grew up in Boston. So, you know, generally a Patriots fan. Everyone's obviously going to be a Pats fan up there. Uh, it's an easy job to be a Patriots fan growing up when when we're growing up. But he was never really overly into football, didn't watch a ton of games, didn't have a huge connection. But then when he moved here and he started watching the Steelers games with me, and also realized that he would, you know, whether he liked it or not, he was gonna hear a lot about the Steelers and their offseason transactions and what went wrong and why we lost and why we should be winning the Super Bowl. And just over the course of he started to get to know more about the Steelers players individually and then racked up watching more Steelers games than he had seen of any other team over the years. So naturally, like, yeah, you become, you become attached to what you know. So it doesn't have to be where you're from geographically.
1: I, that, that discussion that uh, we had had about this led to some more thinking about it. I mean, why do people get so wrapped up into teams, emotions, teams and players, and are so emotional about it when it, you've got a game that of course the players are emotional, but it's such a business. They come and they go yet. We have fights in the stands over these guys.
0: Right, you have to learn when to draw the line. I think that's one of the themes of our podcast because that's something that I talked about a little bit last week. Not to be like a, a downer or anything. I don't think it's a downer. I think it's it's a fun topic. You know, where do you draw the line between being passionate and and just being out of control? Right, and you're right. It's different. It used to be a little bit more loyal. It used to make a little bit more sense why people could have loyalty before the free agency age. People would stay on the same team for their whole career. I mean, you talk about the steel curtain era, you had all those guys for pretty much their entire careers. And if not their entire careers, then, you know, 10 years or the bulk of what was relevant before Franco, you know, goes to the Seahawks for a year or whatever at the end of his career, kind of an afterthought. Right. But now in the age of free agency players, give each other their jerseys after games. You don't have those rivalries that are lasting like Suggs playing against Ben Roethlisberger for 15 years. You don't have as much of that as you used to. So I think um, obviously it can still happen because there are teams like the Steelers and the Ravens and, you know, not at the moment, but the Packers are generally like this who do kind of keep the same players. And I think that the players need to play each other Against the same guys, like for a number of times, for you to really develop that rivalry because then you do see it is real. I mean, Heinz Warden and Ray Lewis hated each other because they were blindsiding each other twice a year for almost a decade. And whether you know you can possibly be a free agent at the end of the year or not, you're a high level athlete. You don't want to get punched in the face by someone's head. Without seeing it, you're going to develop a real rivalry. So it can still happen, but it is a little bit funny. Even, you know, speaking of Steelers-Ravens, it is sort of a transitional period right now. Suggs is gone. Ben's really the only guy around, and they got a bunch of new pieces on defense.
1: Yeah, I guess those rivalries can can ebb and flow, but why the continued passion for a local team? You know, if you think about it, the Steelers have enough continuity in its ownership and coaches, and let's face it, Ben – but even before then, there's always somebody there to, to, to attach to. But maybe it's the fans that are attached to each other because it does seem like you are kind of a um, 12th man. Many stadiums can affect that 12th man with the with the crowd. Right. Crowd noise and the passion. There was a video, a quick video on the Steelers app of this family. The guy had to, uh, you thought that the guy had absolutely turned their living room into a Steelers den. And it turns out it was the wife. So the entire place is Steelers, memorabilia, and things she's created. So there's passion everywhere. But I'll tell you, in my travels, there is no passion like Steelers Nation. When you go, when you visit anywhere, go around Washington, I defy you to find anything that has Redskins on it during the summer. If you go to an office building in Pittsburgh, people have something the Steelers on, even if it sucks. It's everywhere. It is. And – uh, and we've got things like Pittsburgh Dad. I mean, this just—I think the culture is so much more deep in Pittsburgh. It is and that. So my point is that you know, yes, it's the players, it's the team, but you know, it's the fans themselves and the nation that draws everybody together.
0: So there's a couple things I think on that, and I'll second that. This isn't um, just a wishful eyeball that I have. It is clear in Houston, Texas, after Texans bumper stickers the Steelers are a very close second for as far as what I see on the road. I'm driving for an hour and a half every day when you combine my commutes and I see Steelers bumper sticker at least once a week and sometimes more. And I think part of that is when the NFL really exploded is when the Super Bowl era started and the Steelers were so incredible and they were iconic with the steel curtain and winning four Super Bowls and, you know, a small amount of time, six, seven years. And uh, mean Joe Green with the commercial and, you know, just the way the uniforms look, the way that they stand for this blue collar existence, like you were pointing out. And at the same time, that team was also, it was a sexy team too. The first two Super Bowls were really defensive heavy. And then the second two victories were Terry Bradshaw airing it out to Swan and Star Wars. So they kind of had everything. But regarding what you were saying about the 12th man, I think that's a really good point. Uh, Dave Damashek, another big Steelers fan, works for NFL Network, has his podcast, Dave Damoshek Football Program. He says in response to like when he talks to other players or former players when he has them on his show and they give him crap because he'll refer to the Steelers sometimes as we. right? So, and the players will say like, what do you mean we? You're not out there playing. And he says, that, that, what, are you, what are you talking about? I've been watching this team for 40 years. I've been invested in the success in this team way more than some of the guys who are playing for it who might be gone in a year. So yes, I'm saying we. I've ridden the roller coaster with them throughout all the different lineup changes and everything else. So you still have something to rally behind, even regardless of, of who's on the team. And then I think the reason it gets so passionate about a team is almost a simple thing, which is... Winning football games is fun, and you even, you'll even you even welcome people to come watch the game with you, even if they're not huge fans, as long as they're not being annoying and asking, why are they hitting them so hard? Like Aunt Lee asked during the Packers Super Bowl when we had to banish the ladies up to the upstairs TV because she said that the Steelers, who were struggling that whole game, they're hitting them too hard. And I said, OK, Aunt Lee, I love you. you my godmother, but you, we, we can't be in the same room right now. I'm not talking about those fans. I'm talking about the casual fan who might feel like, yeah, I'll come watch this. I'll, I'm not really like a Steelers fan, but I'll come watch it. Come one, come one, come all. If you're going to root for us, we'll take it. Everybody likes that feeling of winning a football game. And no matter who's on your team, you, you've picked one, right? And it's the difference between having a good Sunday and a, and a not great Sunday. And for you and me, probably for me especially, it's the difference, unfortunately, be ha- between having a sublime, incredible Sunday and a borderline suicidal Sunday. I
1: was uh, just doing some reading to get uh, prepared for this this part of the, the podcast, and I don't know why this popped up, but did you hear about this fight, this um, brawl? At a Little League game in Lakeland, right outside of Denver. I have not. So apparently, it's a, it's a regular Little League game, and the umpire was a 13-year-old kid and uh, apparently made a call that people, the people on one side didn't like. The players are seven years old. Did I mention that? The players are seven. The umpire is 13. Go check this out. I'll put another link on the website. The brawl is incredible. Not only are multiple guys jumping on one of the other father's Two ladies are beating up on the umpire in Colorado. You say it's it's horrific, and uh, the Lakewood police have you know they're they're still looking for one of the guys who who started us with a sucker punch. So it's just unbelievable the passion, and you know what? The passion rises, and with the um, the decline in the importance of the game, i.e., a seven year old little league game, and people are going insane.
0: Did the seven year olds get in on the action? Did they take out the 13 year
1: old? Uh, get him. No, but they will be they will be taking a part in that when they're by the time they're in high
0: school, I'm sure, because they're you're learning right.
1: great lessons from these some so-called adults. I mean, you pass
0: these things down, watch set the example. When you when you're going to take one of these guys down, it's really better to do it 3 on 1. And and you'll learn that now. Right now, hit it off the tee. When you get to our age, you'll know how to get it done. I think But you know what? You know what that is, too? And that's obviously the example of people taking it too far. But sports truly is an outlet. And it does sort of give humans an excuse to sort of act wild. And you can temper that a little bit, right? Like, there is a line for how wild you can act. But luckily, we are now a civilized society that is finally starting to observe people's rights and all different groups of people and and try and make the world a little bit more fair opportunity type of scenario you can't just go around shooting people like the mafia or or just killing them like a Genghis Khan type situation there's civilization there's general rules the world's a little bit of a safer place to live in but human beings and especially males but definitely females too um there's there's a need for like an aggressive outlet and sports is a safe place where that can come out as long as you know where to stop it and even as a fan it gives you that this excuse to yell to exclaim or be overly joyous or be overly angry and as long as you can turn it off then you're okay but obviously you don't want to jump a 13 year old umpire
1: you showed a little bit of emotion this week um was it florio talking about ben what was the, the
0: latest takeoff well, it was it's it's Sims. Um, oh, no, no. Yeah. Uh, let's we'll, we'll get into a little bit of Florio and Sims shortly here. But yeah, Florio did talk about Ben's quote from his uh, little camp that he puts on yearly. Which is basically, so I mean, I guess I'll just go into it right here. Um, I do really like Mike Florio in Pro Football Talk. Obviously, he says some things um, sort of to rile people up, but it's really just for the sake of discussion. It's not a Skip Bayless thing where he says a take that's just not plausible. Um, Some people try and accuse accuse Florio of that, but he admits all the time. He'll tell you, he'll be transparent and say, like, I like to rile things up, spur discussion. Yeah, yeah, but not just for the sake of rallying them up. Like, he always has a point. He's a very smart guy. And he had a point this week when it came to Ben. So. Ben hosted his yearly football camp that he hosts for a bunch of kids. I don't know if it's a day or a couple of days, but he has a bunch of kids out there and they all play football and stuff like that. Lots of NFL players do it. He usually gets interviewed at the end of this camp. and He got interviewed this year, and one of the quotes that came out from it was what he said in response to the reporter asking, if is there a new sense of calm around the Steelers' facility it sounds like the team over the past few months after all this drama, the departures of certain players, the, the slowing down of certain storylines, it seems like the team has come together over this with like an all for one, one for all type mentality. Do you feel that is the case with the team this year? And Ben basically said, I'm paraphrasing here with all this. He basically said, yeah, things have been a little bit crazy around here for the past few years. It'll be nice to get back to a new normal. And, When he said that, I knew, why'd you do that, Ben? I knew that somebody was going to pick it up. And honestly, you can think that this is stupid or not. But when Ben said that, I realized, like, Ben, my favorite player in the world, he gets way too much crap for the media, way too much but some of it is absolutely deserved. Like we'll say a million times what he said about AB running the, uh, the route to sharp whatever against the Broncos. It is so implausibly – it's such an implausibly dumb idea and it's amazing to me that he still hasn't backed off of it. Even when he backed those comments off allegedly at the minicamp, he still – said basically what he said is like I shouldn't have said that. Go watch the replay. There is no way Antonio Brown can run the route flatter. Just say, I threw it. The guy made an amazing play. Still won't back down from that. So Ben, my favorite guy in the world. He has his flaws. But you're not making it easy on me to defend you when you do stuff like this. Because predictably, Florio picked this up on his podcast. When Ben says, it's been a little crazy the last few years. It'll be nice to get back to normal. You're indicating that all the problems are already gone. When you can say what you want about Ben, like, oh, people need to have thicker skin, him calling out Martavis Bryant, him calling out Le'Veon Bell to be at camp, him calling out James Washington to to run through the catch. None of those things are really big deals, and they all ended up okay. Well, guess what? That's not really the case, because whether you think that or not, we have enough evidence over the years to see that people in the media pick this up. And whether it's fair or not, they run with it. And also Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown said that they had a problem with Ben calling, calling them out. I have the tendency, by the way, to think that they mentioned that to the media. I don't think they had as much of a problem as it with, with Ben calling them out as much as like they're just using that to scapegoat Ben because they realize, oh, the media is picking up on Ben doing this. If I say this, they're going to look at me as a good guy. But either way, Ben, just don't say anything. You're gonna, it's gonna become something big that the media is gonna pick up. And Florio said, you're saying that it's, it's been a little crazy the past few years. You're one of the reasons why it's been crazy for the past few years. Is Ben the biggest reason? I don't think so. But has he had some, some big time flubs in the media over the years and, uh, contributed to the drama? A hundred percent. The retirement thing, which we all know was a ploy to get Todd Haley out of there, which is a good idea. I mean, Tom, Todd Haley's not in the, NFL anymore and he couldn't even hold a job with the Browns, but the bottom line is Ben has contributed to some of the drama. It would be nice to see him to accept the responsibility, move forward, be a little bit smarter about what he says in the media. Even if you guys think it's right or wrong, we know that media is going to blow it up anyways, so it would be smarter for you just not to say stuff like that and be a little bit more self-aware that way. I'm going to take the opposite side of this. I don't
1: uh I don't speak to the media often. Once in a while, I have to talk to a reporter, uber careful about that. But just in a professional situation in an office building, you have to be very careful of what you say. And it is hard to be, even people that I've worked with forever, I can't make offhanded comments before they're misinterpreted. So I understand um, why you need to be careful with your language. But man, if you have microphones in your face all the time, there is no way to maintain that discipline and I don't take what he said I don't have any take any offense at all to that. I mean it was crazy. He didn't blame anybody. He just said it was crazy, and he this is the difference between the last two years and this year and it was such an offhanded comment. It's just like to me it was just looking for for fodder for uh for an article so I think that's it's just not a big deal and it was kind of an offhanded comment that you – there's such a dearth of content for these guys everything is escalated to eight.
0: I a hundred percent agree with what you're saying. It's not a big deal. And he's right. It is a little bit less crazy and it's going to be a little bit less crazy. And some of the crazy has left the building, but he has to realize that he's Ben Roethlisberger and there are people who will never like him for as long as he lives, just based on his reputation and they will blow up anything he says. Um, Even if it's not a big deal, like the James Washington thing running through the catch, that wasn't a big deal at all. And neither is this because he's right. It's going to be a little crazy, but you have to be aware like you're almost a 20-year veteran. They're going to – they're looking for any excuse to, to crush Ben. And there are other quarterbacks and other players who do a good job of not saying anything. And you know who was incredible at it? Um, Antonio Brown was unbelievable. And I think that you could say, oh, he was unbelievable until he finally cracked. Well, I think he made up his mind that he wanted to leave, and he used the crack as a way to get out. And it was incredibly effective. And whether you like him or not, he gamed the whole system. He got himself out of Pittsburgh and got himself a a bigger contract and made sure the Steelers didn't get anything in return. I mean, he totally won that. Now, he won't win in the end when he realizes that he's on the Raiders and Ben's not throwing with the ball anymore. But – A B, if you remember, after that Denver game, like you couldn't even tell that he was mad at all. He just said, "Oh Ben, you know he's our leader. He has different ways of motivating us." He was an expert manipulator of the media, and so there. I have seen people who have done that. Like you know what they're going to ask you, or maybe at the end of the day, you just go Belichick and you just give them, "Yeah, I'm. I'm excited to. I'm not really going to talk about last year. I'm excited to get together with my teammates for the future."
1: Did you hear that uh, in one of the interviews? they asked about Ben's children. I guess his, is his oldest son named Ben, Benjamin? I think so. Yeah. So was, he was now old enough to participate in, in the camp. And I guess Ben was saying something. He doesn't know much about football. He has a good arm. And you could see them blowing oh, yeah. that up oh. into something, you know, some sort of, um, right. Nepotistic attitude. Yeah, right? <laughs> the only reason I have this camp is so that my kid can be quarterback, which is what 90% yeah, of God,
0: God, for, God forbid the kid whose parents are are beacons of physical perfection. I mean, if you've seen Ben's wife, Ashley, she's like a, a goddess, like a Swedish-looking goddess, and your dad's one of the greatest athletes of his generation. The guy doesn't even work out, and he can throw the ball. He can dominate NFL defenses all the time. Yeah, you know, he couldn't possibly have a good arm. Ben's a just a, a – Ben's a bad man. Ben's bad. But you just have to understand that people are looking for you on that and just make it easier on yourself and make it easier on us. Because no matter how many good arguments we give towards the national media about them blowing up something that Ben did, you know, it doesn't matter. And and to anybody out there who's listening saying we're being a homer towards Ben, listen to what we're saying because I call him out for anything that he does do wrong. And we will make that that point about him. But it it is – so we're not being homers, but you, as you can see, you know, he's just one of those guys like certain people are. And Le'Veon Bell actually looks like he's becoming one of those guys who the media is just going to get. Odell Beckham Jr. is one of those guys. None of these dudes are Terrell Owens or or Vontae's Perfect or Richie Incognito, you know? So the media just has it out for some certain people and uh, you got to be a little bit smarter with that. So that actually is a really
1: good segue to something we were talking about earlier this week, maybe on Friday. And that has to do with um, – so Chris Sims put out his his top quarterback Ooh. list and, and got a little blowback for that.
0: Yes. So Chris Sims – okay, guys. Chris Sims is, for my money, the best football analyst in the game. Number one, I'll, I'll put out – I should put out my top 40 rankings for football analysts. Between – Number one, obviously NFL quarterback experience. So he understands on a strategic level, he understands the game from that level. Grew up around it, being with Phil Sims, Phil being his dad. You know, he's on the field playing catch with Dan Marino and Brett Favre when he's a kid. He's been in NFL locker rooms. He has grown up around football that has been his whole life. Number two, he, besides having that high level of understanding and experience in locker rooms, he watches every NFL game every week and he breaks down the film which is what a lot of people don't do. So he has an educated opinion on this stuff. And then on top of it, he's just a genuinely good guy and he has a good personality so he can make it fun at the same time. So over the, over the summer, what he does is he does this top 40 quarterback ranking every year. And he has moved his way down to numbers nine and 10, and we're in the top 10. So, you know, it's going to be nothing but outrage for the whole time. And, in a bit of some controversial picks, he put Drew Brees at 10 and Tom Brady at 9. Now, you could say whatever you want about those guys, but remember, Sims is, what he's saying is, where are we ranking the quarterbacks at this exact moment in time? You know, Carson Wentz, I think, was 11 after being number three a couple years ago when he was really the NFL MVP before he got an ACL sprint or tear, right? So we're talking about where they are now. This is not... 36-year-old Tom Brady, this isn't 38-year-old Tom Brady coming back against the Falcons making unbelievable laser beam throw after laser beam comeback route, 20-yard comebacks all the way down the field for the whole second half against the, the, the Atlanta Falcons. This is 42-year-old Tom Brady and 40-year-old Breeze. And so it's not – Odd that you would say, like, we're this isn't an all-time ranking. Of course, Breeze and Brady are probably, you know, the, the two best all-time quarterbacks who remain uh active in the NFL. But Drew Brees, if anybody knows what happened with him over the second half of the season, Drew Brees wasn't great compared to how great Drew Brees usually is. He's fine over the second half of the season, but he can't push the ball down the field anymore. He can't make the big plays with his arms that he used to be able to make. And he's surrounded by a fantastic team with one of the best offensive coordinators, offensive minds in the history of the game with Sean Payton as evidenced by the fact that they can get any type of receiver in there. And they work to get the guys open. And Drew Brees has been unbelievable in terms of pinpoint accuracy and decision-making and throwing over the years. So he's obviously complimented the system. But Drew Brees, he's 40. He's getting older. He can't make the same type of plays that he used to. Does it mean that he's bad? No. But it just it doesn't mean that he's the unstoppable force of nature that he was, you know, a few years earlier, what we've seen mostly in his career. And Sims describes that in detail. He gives you reasons. He gives you examples of when they played against the Cowboys and the Cowboys shut them down because they knew, hey, Drew can't make these deep throws downfield anymore, and we have the defensive personnel to just press up on the Saints receivers and and, and just play them in their face the whole time because Drew's not going to kill us downfield. He gives you examples on film of why he's made this analysis, whether you agree with it or not. And with Brady, it's the same thing. You know, I personally think I agree with the breeze at 10. I do think Brady is a little bit low. I would have popped him up a few more spots just based on the fact that when I watch Brady play, you know, he's still, you know, just from a decision-making standpoint, it's so unbeatable. But back to kind of the main point at hand. He gives you reasons on the film for why Tom Brady, who's about to be 42 years old – as we know why he's not as just physically dominant as he was a couple years ago, right? It doesn't mean he's bad. It just, he's nowhere near Patrick Mahomes right now. And a lot of people just conflate the success of the team or the name of Tom Brady as, oh my God, this is so disrespectful. You're going to put Roethlisberger and Matt Ryan above Tom Brady? It's like, bro, we didn't say all time. We just said right now. We didn't even say two years ago. We're saying right now where they're at. This is where, Tom, where, where Chris Sims thinks Tom Brady's at. Like I said, I think he's a little bit low. But the fact of the matter is Chris Sims goes through and describes individual games, overall storylines, and specific reasons for why he's ranked those two players at those positions. And it's funny how people lose context so quickly because if you remember during this season, the whole question was, wow, the Patriots aren't putting as much points as they used to. Oh, Tom Brady looks a little bit more scared in the pocket. The Steelers beat Tom Brady and held him under 20 points. What does that tell you? When have we ever held Tom Brady under 50 points, right? So his game has taken a little bit of a step back as he's become a 40-year-old man. They won the Super Bowl 13-3. to They scored 13 points in the Super Bowl. He threw at least one interception. And and listen— Tom Brady called an incredible defensive game plan against the Rams. He really figured out Sean McVay's offense, and Tom Brady held the Rams to three points. I understand that. you got to give him all the credit in the world for that because, yeah, Tom Brady designs the defensive game plans too. We all know that. He's Tom Brady. Here's my problem, and I'm going to get to the larger point here in a minute, but – People remove context. They forget that they just look Tom Brady. Chris Sims is an idiot. He's just looking for clickbait. Oh my God, how could you ever put Cam Newton above Tom Brady? Tom, he won the Super Bowl. He won the Super Bowl. It's like, well, do you remember how he won the Super Bowl? He was a good complimentary piece. On that Super Bowl team, it wasn't Tom Brady versus the Falcons when he was a force of nature throwing the ball over the place. They ran the ball fifty times against the Kansas City Chiefs in the AFC Championship game and tire them out to death. That's what happened in real life. Tom Brady threw the game losing interception on the final drive, but D. Ford had his foot offsides, so they they take that back. But now it's just this revisionist history of well, they won the Super Bowl and Tom Brady's the quarterback. How could you rate him below these other guys? Okay, well. Then what about Nick Foles the year before? Should Nick Foles, Nick Foles won the Super Bowl. He was awesome in the Super Bowl. He was amazing. Should he have been the best quarterback? No. No, no. That's an exception. He's Nick he's Nick Foles. Uh okay. Uh, what about when Tom when when Peyton Manning won it with the Broncos a couple years ago as the worst quarterback in the league statistically and on the field? No, 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 no. That's that's uh that's also an exception. Okay, what about when Tom Brady scored 13 points in the Super Bowl? No, well, it's Tom Brady. I mean, it's Tom Brady. How could you be such a jerk to rank Tom Brady low? He won it. I mean, what what, what an amazing job Tom Brady did on defense. You just remove all the context. And people are murdering Chris saying that he's a clickbait guy and he's an idiot and he's a failed NFL quarterback and he only has a job because he's Phil Simms. But here's the thing. Chris is giving you reasons. He's giving you examples for why he believes what he believes. And all these other people, including Kurt Warner, who called him out, are just spouting off stupid non-sequiturs just like he's Tom Brady or Kurt Warner says um Drew Brees had 74% completion percentage you're honestly going to rank him below these guys Patrick Mahomes had 66% completion percentage and Drew Brees can't lick the dirt off Patrick Mahomes' godlike cleats at this point and where they're at in their career so you're just going to Terry pick that. So, yeah, Tom Brady won the Super Bowl. He's the best quarterback. What about Nick Foles? That nah, doesn't count. Uh, Drew Brees has 74 completion percentage. Uh, he's the best. Okay, well, the quarterback is way better than him, had 66 completion percent. Oh, it doesn't count. If you're going to argue, argue. Give a freaking reason. Tell me why. Don't just be a jerk. And what's weird is all these people like Kurt Warner or all the idiots on Twitter who are piling on they don't give any reasons and they truly think they're right and they and they talk down and they talk very rude to Sims and they think that they're right but no one actually has the conversation no one else gives the example hey Chris actually against the San Diego Chargers if you watched all those throws the Chargers were playing too deep the whole time and Brady was throwing skinny posts 45 you know 70 miles per hour in between these two guys and he was making these different type of plays nope that's not the argument it's just he's Tom Brady you're an idiot and people need to shut And if you're going to make an argument, make an argument. Don't be a baby. Don't be a moron. Kurt Warner should not be in the Hall of Fame. He had a very average career besides the couple years when he was surrounded by unbelievable talent. But that's another story for another another day. And And this is why this pisses me off so much because it's not just football. This applies to politics. This applies to social issues. This applies to girlfriends and boyfriends having problems in a relationship. Shut up and think about what you're talking about, and make an argument. If you're going to have an argument, have the argument. Give me reasons. Dogs and cats living together. Woo, that's some of the passion we were talking about. And that's the abridged version, because I've been pissed off about this all week. I personally think and that I would put Brady, honestly, at like number five right now. In my rankings, I'm putting... At where we're standing right now, Mahomes at one, Rodgers at two. Those are the two godlike quarterbacks at the moment. Rodgers has been injured. I think that'll affect him. Russell Wilson right behind them. I'm putting Andrew Luck. Those are like the four quarterbacks who they have amazing arms, brains, mobility, physical stature. And then they also have good teams around them. And then on number five, I'd probably put Brady because – Yes, he is a little flinchier in the pocket and his arm's not quite where it was, but it's still a pretty sick arm. People try to forget that about Brady. And then I will put Ben because Ben can do – a lot more than Breeze and Brady can in terms of physicality. When I talk about where Ben's at in his life right now as a quarterback, I just, I, I use one play from last year as his example, the touchdown pass to Antonio Brown against the Chargers where the Steelers are on like the 20, like 26 or like 30 yard line of the Chargers and he gets the ball in shotgun. He scrambles out to his left, goes on the run to his left then fires a ball into the back of the end zone. So 40 yards, almost 45 yards on a frozen rope in between three Chargers defenders, top three or four defense in the league, to Antonio Brown, and he catches it in his chest, and it just looks like an easy touchdown because you're used to seeing that. But there's only four or five guys in the league who can do that. Scramble to your left, throw it on a rope in between three guys, 45 yards down the field for a touchdown, Breeze can't do that right now. Brady can't do that right now. But the thing with Ben is he is guaranteed to have two or three throws per game that are so mind-blowingly bonehead that you don't know what hits you like the interception against the um, Broncos on the one yard line or, or, or whatever it may be. Sometimes we get away with them. Sometimes we don't. That's kind of the John Wayne way that he lives. So It's going to happen every game. Brady has maybe one of those a whole year. So I think that there's something to be said for that. Brady also has his defense holding people to three points. And when anybody tries to make the point like, oh, how could Chris Sims possibly fault Tom Brady for for having a good defense or for having a good system? It's like I'm not faulting Tom Brady. We're just trying to grade these guys in a vacuum. What can they do? And, like, the fact is, if Tom Brady is throwing to people like Chris Hogan in the championship against the Steelers when Chris Hogan doesn't have anyone within 30 yards of him, I'm not saying, oh, my goodness, what an unbelievable throw from Brady. Any quarterback can do that. That doesn't mean anyone's going to do as well as he does for the Patriots. But if you're grading them in a vacuum, you do have to take that into account. Like, well, he does get helped out by this or that. but. Anyways, that's my spiel kind of on them. If you're going to talk about somebody in, in, in football and in social issues or anything, give me examples. Tell me why. Don't just yell at the wall. Where you bet that Ben's going to end up on this list. I bet he's going to end up at number one, baby. I'm going to bet it at mybookie.ag. They've got a compelling An excellent, sleek mobile interface so that you can use it on your cellular device. You can bet on in-game live betting, on over-unders, on fantasy points scored, and really, you can bet Patriots or field on the Super Bowl. It's so sad that we're at this level. By the way, it looks like Josh Gordon is very possibly going to be playing for the Patriots again this year. NFL is trying to make an effort to get those guys who are suspended for stupid little marijuana suspensions back into the league because they know they need some stars, and that's a little bit outdated with 36 of the 50 states at least legalizing marijuana for at least uh, medicinal purposes. So that kind of sucks. But if you want to bet on the Steelmen winning the Super Bowl, that's what I'll be doing, and that's good odds. And Ben is a 32-to-1 Odds-on favorite for the MVP this year. We know he'll never get it because the national media won't, won't let him get it. But, hey, maybe there's no uh, Brown or Bell to take votes away from him this year. So if I'm going to bet on Ben for, a, for MVP, I'm doing it at MyBookie. Remember, who you're betting on is just as important as who you're betting with. Visit my AG online today. And don't forget to use the outpost code or the promo code OUTPOST25 when creating your account to claim up to $1,000 in free play. You play, you win, you get paid.
1: You know a little bit of news that occurred uh, about the same time as the Levion story. Adrian Clem, Adrian, our new assistant offensive line coach, was fired from UCLA in January 2017. He, along with uh, head coach um, Jim Mora? Off of, pardon Jim, Jim, Jim Mora, the old coach there, and an assist yeah and an assistant trainer are being sued by three former UCLA football players seeking damages of fifteen million dollars. Mm. Because of the way um, they they were not, uh, I think the way it was phrased is the culture of no excuses, cultivated by Mara, and they were subjected to drills that were unnecessarily brutal. They had no safeguards and in helmet to helmet contact, so uh, players were expected to pay through pay, play through pain, which you know that's sort of uh, expected anyway. But I guess these guys claim that these coaches took it to a new
0: level. Well, Jim Mora is a douchebag. And so I don't know. I I don't have enough evidence on this to, to, to say anything, so I don't want to comment too far on it. But Jim Mora is the same guy who throws his player under the bus in the media constantly. He kind of talked crap about Josh Rosen, his own quarterback, like saying that he would take Sam Darnold number one over Rosen when Rosen is coming out for the draft, which not only is a is a douchey move, also Like, you could say, oh, what if he believed that? I find that hard to believe, man. It wasn't like Rosen was Andrew Luck. It wasn't like there was some John Elway coming out in the draft or Peyton Manning. They're close enough where that would be a fight. Why wouldn't you back your own guy who was a fantastic college quarterback? And then also, you're a moron. It makes you look better if your program has the number one recruit out of there anyway. So, hey, I'm sure this goes on a lot at different college programs, and it sounds like UCLA has trouble – I don't know, recruiting the right teams because they're constantly hovering on 500 and Jim Mora's not the coolest dude in the world. So I don't know. I can't comment to any of the truth Fred. So uh, I guess what I'm commenting now is I'm a biased uh, person who might believe that. That's uh, too bad that Clem's getting roped into it. I I don't know what to think there, honestly. I have to process it or read up on no,
1: it. Just a, it's a derivative Steeler story. We'll follow up but I'm sure this will take forever to go through the sure. courts. But I thought I'd mention that since the Steelers were in the news. Uh, Well, another one in the can, and we had a lot of conversation. Well, mostly passionate soliloquy by Nicholas. But if you have opinions about anything we said, please let us know. We're gonna um, actually next week we will meet live in person at Rehoboth Beach in Delaware. And we have some ideas about embellishing our presence on Instagram. But until then, and even after we start doing some more posting, please hit us up at Steelers Outpost. Talk to us on Twitter at Steelers Outpost. Get us on our website at SteelersOutpost.com or shoot us an email at SteelersOutpost at gmail.com. Until next week, everyone, thanks for listening. Go Steelers.
0: Okay, bye-bye.